Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsack. And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is one of our News and Cues episodes. The News stands for News, which makes a lot of sense. And the Cues stands for Questions, which also makes sense, but doesn't really save us that much time. Still, we like it. It's branding News and Cues. It rhymes, kind of, sort of. It feels like it doesn't. <laughs> Does it really? I don't know. I don't know. I stopped writing poetry when uh, the Vogons were doing better than me. Uh, we got a, a lot of fun stuff to get to today. We got a big question, a big question, as we always do. Uh, we got some fun stuff. Um, we're going to uh, dive into some fun speculation. Before we do all of that, though, let's remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, 
or MP3 player. As always, a little bit later, we'll have our Four Center Recommends, an audiobook we think you should try out on us. And Joseph, that is not all. No, we have another offer from Inside Editions, a publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books. They are offering 35% off across their website with this special link, insideditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we are recommending the Inside Editions book, Secrets of the Jedi, its partner book, Secrets of the Sith, that is just out, uh, is in our grubby little hands, and we can't wait to dive in. So get it into your hands, grubby or not. I'm not going to describe your hands as grubby, only our own. Anyway, uh, you can use the link insideditions.com slash discount slash FC35. Yeah, man, Secrets of the Jedi. I'm, I'm going to go poke through that again. We Yeah, I've been reading about halfway through Secrets of the Sith and having a blast. Also having a blast. We're going to talk about this book more, but it's great if, if you guys pick it up because it definitely is from Sheev's point of view. That is what I was hoping for when we learned it was Sheev's take. I was hoping for Sheev's burn book, so I can't wait to crack that open. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. So check that out for the fun folks at Inside Editions. Uh, Star Wars and Life Adventures is where we catch up. And, uh, you know, I'll answer for my raspy, slightly raspy. It's not as bad as I thought. I, I just uh, had a couple throat lozenges, uh, lozenges uh, just chewed them real quickly before the show here. You can probably <laughs> smell it, the microphone. Uh, but Joseph, what's going on with you, sir? Yeah, a lot, lot of fun uh, life adventures and work adventures this week. But in particular, uh, it, it, this was one of those weeks where it got to be like late Friday. And I was like, have I had a Star Wars adventure? Because I'm thinking about getting ready for the podcast. And like, I trust. I trust in the force. So uh, my wife and I went to a, an art show in uh, Beverly Hills. Uh, and this is something that we've gone to before. This is a slightly smaller version. Uh, and... I remember the last time we went there, there was some various uh, pop culture art. Um, this uh, artist has this stand where he has lots of different pop culture uh, characters with all of their clothes hung up on dryers, uh, like uh, hung up to dry, like they've been washed. Uh, and it makes sense with like the stormtroopers. But then like all of Bib Fortuna is hanging there. <laughs> <laughs> like, is that what's being implied? Is that a Bib Fortuna costume? Is Bib Fortuna something else underneath there? Fascinating. So I'd seen that one before. Uh, and then we were we stopped at this booth of this artist who uh, did this great collage work where there was like a main image of something like a uh, cocktail glass or a typewriter. And then all of these different kind of words cut out from actual sources that sort of related to the mood or the cultural context. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. That's really interesting. I'll, I'll look at some of the prints. Uh, and lo and behold, I come across a, a Boba Fett collage. <laughs> which is just a, a fun three words to say. And uh, it's great. It's great because it's, you know, an image of Boba Fett. And I, I like looking at Boba Fett. Uh, but there's this power to it because like looking at some of the other things like, you know, typewriters and martinis and trees, it's like it's um, all the words and all the sources are definitely relating to that. But the Boba Fett collage is specifically uh, stuff that's like like from Star Wars, like the back of uh, old uh, Clone Wars era books and it, an ad for some special edition uh, Star Wars ephemera uh, and all of it kind of uh, combining to build up Boba Fett. And I bought this print uh, because, like I said, it's a picture of Boba Fett and I'm always happy to have those. But that collage, there was something about it that was just sort of like, this is to me kind of the heart of Star Wars, that ideas in Star Wars and characters in Star Wars are like so much more than the sum of their parts. They're, they, you know, bleed into culture in all these ways where you like encounter them ra randomly 
yeah. at a Beverly Hills art show. But also just that idea that once a character is on screen, there are so many different ideas, so many different, uh, you know, creators writing them, working on them, so many, bit, you know, words and ideas about them. And just this image of all of the different ideas that add up to this one character was like just quintessential Star Wars to me. So I was really happy to get that. That's uh, that's downright beautiful, sir. Well, thank you. Thank you. And then right after I bought it, I was like, God, that's my Star Wars adventure for the week. Uh, I saw somebody else at the art show uh, with a T-shirt that said, I'm the (laughs) Dadalorian. And then I I couldn't read it all, but like a list of rules for uh, their children to follow. And then it said, this is the way. That, you know, normally I don't enjoy a pun, um, but that uh, that's actually pretty good because it's at the heart of the Mandalorian. Yeah. So that's the Star Wars challenge. Can you go anywhere and not see something related to Mandalorians? The answer for me was no, and I was thrilled. That's great. That's How about you? Let's hear your raspy voice adventure. Yeah, I, I'm surprised it's not as, as bad as I, I woke up this morning and was like, oh, no, we're, we as always record on Mondays. And uh, last night, actually early morning, uh, got back about 2 a.m., got to see the uh, Rolling Stones with uh, our buddy Mark Ellis, uh, um, another great comic, uh, Tom Rhodes, uh, grew up watching he's a big stones fan and uh, our pal john kaiser who's a character and uh, we all got to go to sofi stadium which is new stadium out in inglewood here in la area and that's right next to the forum and fascinating got to see the rolling stones well i mean amazing i mean it, you know it's it's uh it's uh, i could talk about music for a long time uh that was a thrill so i was screaming out all the all the lyrics all the lyrics that you don't even know you know but you just like, <laughs> and sometimes you don't know if they're the actual words you're just making sounds yeah. Uh, uh, yes. Phonetically, I'm singing along phonetically, but I'm not sure what Mick is saying. I think I know what "Painted Black" is about, but I'm, I'm singing it. Uh, <laughs> Street Fighting Man, everything, and and a great time, great show. But my Star Wars connection to it, we walk in, and and SoFi is one of those new state of the art stadiums. Uh, you get the big one out in Vegas now, where the Raiders play. There's other events, and and they're impressive, and. You know, they're a lot of money and all those same kind of things. But this is a beautiful facility. It's got a reflecting pool so you can reflect on your football team's loss, I guess, uh, if you go there or the concert that you saw. And it's giant. And we walk in and uh, Kaiser, John Kaiser, some of you might know him from like movie tradition, Modown stuff, whatever. His dad was a former major league umpire. So we're, we're, we're baseball fan friends. And uh, he turns to me and goes, Ken, wow, you got to feel like you're walking into the Death Star. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> and. You know, then me, him, and Ellis were joking for a bit, like, yeah, this was like walking onto the deck of a Star Destroyer. It's it's a state-of-the-art stadium. Like Ellis said, it's like a fancy hotel and a, and, and the biggest Apple store in the world just, like, got together. Like, it, it's <laughs> all over. It's high-tech. And, yeah, the Superstruck, it just it felt massive. And I, I could, was, and we were having, so we ended up having this conversation about being a stormtrooper on the Death Star and how, and then Ellis was like, you know, would you be aware of what's going on? It's so big. Like, we don't know what's going on the other side of the stadium. Would you be aware if the umpire was doing something bad and you're here? I mean, you, you got to get plugged in. And we had a, we, so it inspired a fun Star Wars conversation where we're walking around before the concert. We did a, we did a lap around a, a, this level of the stadium we were on and just, um, I couldn't unsee it like that. It just was <laughs> now a, an Imperial structure and we were all gathered in front of a, a Imperial entertainment, but uh, uh, it was, it, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And I love when star Wars pops up like that. And I love 
you know, when, when you're like this too, Joseph, you're out and about and you're the Star Wars person in that group. It's fun when everyone kind of turns to you like, what do you think about this in Star Wars? <laughs> Is this a Death Star? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a nice question. Yeah, that sounds great. And now it makes me really wish that the first song that the Rolling Stones played is their cover of the Imperial March. <laughs> they should. They should. It was Street Fighting Man, which was an anti-imperial song, I would think. But uh, yeah, it was great. Yeah, that is so great. Uh, the the Star Wars adventure and the Rolling Stones adventure. I remember buying Steel Wheels in 1989 thinking, this this is probably the last album they'll put out, right? <laughs> you gotta get it now. You gotta get it now. Crazy. And hey, Mick at about 78, Oh man, made me uh, made me feel old running around that stage there. So. Yeah, that's great. That is great. I'm glad you got to hear the Stones and the Death Star. There you go. All hail the Stones on the Death Star. Uh, we're gonna go from Star Wars Life Adventures into Star Wars news. I always, you know, I, I always say it's eh, it's a little quieter, a little quieter right now, which always means something big is around the corner. Which uh, mid November, I think we will. But uh, let's talk a uh, new tie-in comic book miniseries. Now there was a rumor out there of a bigger series, a bigger art coming in 2022, and it looked at it. It was probably a factual rumor, but we like to address things uh, when we actually know it's it's worth our time because it's official. So some of that news is out there this week. But one of the things that is official is Star Wars Halcyon Legacy. It's a five-issue series written by Ethan Sachs, drawn by Will Sliney, that covers the adventures and mysteries of the Halcyon Legacy. And I was kind of reading the article going, oh, this is what's so great about this ship. And I got about two paragraphs in. I was like, oh, yeah, this is the hotel in Orlando that occasionally I confuse as a cruise ship because it just seems such a uh, an event. Uh, so this is that story of the hotel. This is the Halcyon Legacy. It's a spaceship, not a hotel. The ship has a 275-year history that began in the High Republic era. In fact, Buryaga from the High Republic, the Wookiee Jedi, is on the cover of issue one. Uh, Saxon Slani worked on the Galaxy's Edge series, the Batu tie-in, which I thought was interesting. Uh, so, Joseph, I'm going to start there. What do you think about this this particular project, then we'll talk about tie-in material overall. Yeah, no, I think this is a great project. I was really uh, happy to see this announced for a couple reasons. Like, it, this feels like, okay, now we've figured out a little bit of the the rhythm of this, of Galaxy's Edge, <laughs> a real place that you can visit. And they did that, uh, that great short run, kind of tying into that. So I, I like that it expands this physical place that is real, <laughs> that you can go to, if you can afford it. <laughs> Right. And expands it uh, in ways that are, I think are fun for both people who can go to these places and people who can't. Right. So if you can't go, but you're kind of excited about this idea uh, of what this Halcyon legacy uh, ship and idea and idea of cruises and Star Wars, what that represents, then you can spend some time with it in this comic book, which is cool. And then if you ever can or do choose to go to this, then what you've read in the comic book will make that experience even richer. I know I had that experience when I was lucky enough to go to Galaxy's Edge uh, a while back that having read, you know, some of the books and some of the materials made it feel even more immersive for me. So I think it works really well for people who can go and for people who can't. Well, wait, that's a great point to start because I had no, I had no thought that I was going to get to Galaxy's, Galaxy's Edge in the, in the first five years of existence. I just, I just, and I'm, it's local to, to us. I, you know, it's a, it's a, traffic uh, filled drive down the five freeway, but I just, you know, cost and t I just was like, and I almost had to mentally disengage for that idea. Right. Like I'll get there <laughs> when I get there. I was fortunate enough. A friend actually treated me in grace. So fortunate to experience. And I experienced exactly what you're talking about where I was in uh doc on doors like, uh, Oh, Hey, that's this. Oh, this and that. And, and you, you get a little bit more, but 
I, I didn't feel when the comic came out, I read it and, I, and, and even uh, the Delilah S. Dawson book, uh, the Black Spire Outpost one, like I felt, I felt connected enough to where I was like, okay, I, this will be there when I get there. And, and I'll say this now, no plans on getting to the hotel in Orlando this decade. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to really enjoy these comic books, which I think are going to be slightly less expensive uh, <laughs> than the actual uh, Halcyon Legacy Adventure. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Not rolling in YouTube money like uh, rumors might be out there on the internet. Uh, <laughs> my net worth is not that. So um, I, I, I start there. I think it's a great point, Joseph. Like it, they do such a good job, and you can kind of enjoy it and not feel left out if you want to engage with it on on this uh, on this level, of Star Wars. That's and, that, and that's that shows uh, to me. It's not just you can be cynical and say it's just it's it's marketing material, and it does. It does work like that. Uh, Delilah has Dawson, that one chapter where, you know, uh, V uh, Marathi, Vi Marathi is walking around, but to literally getting a tour like, yeah, but it was done so well that I, 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 I worked past any cynicism and it was a fun story and it's fun as a Star Wars fan. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's what was in, it, it's like funny to me that, yeah, no, uh, I remember when Vi Marathi got the rundown of what drinks are available at the cantina. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But that's that was funny. What was meaningful is like when I got to the sort of resistance area of Galaxy's Edge, I'm like, I know the hell that these fictional characters went through to make this a reality. That's what was emotionally, you know, effective. And I think uh, I hope for that with these comics, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if you're, you know, you get this 275 year history. Uh, we can now uh, safely, you know, crawl back into the high Republic era and find characters that we already know and already love. And if, if you get to go to the hotel, you know, you could be thinking, you know, Briaga slept here. <laughs> exactly. I want to find his fur in my bed. Yeah, indeed. And uh, uh, yeah, Saxon Sliney, that's a team. Uh, they've done this before. So a uh, good reason that um, they're brought back. Yeah, yeah. And I think in terms of just like the bigger picture, I really love that we're getting to this point now where we can have stories like this that uh, connect uh, the High Republic to other points in the in the timeline, you know? Yeah. Um, and just in general, this idea of a cruise ship, uh, the, the Halcyon Legacy, is a kind of a fun, nice expansion of just the Star Wars galaxy, right? Yeah. Um, and in general, I, I just, I really like all these uh, locations that have been popping up that are, really um that they exist over a long period of time like you know canto bite and maz's castle black spire outpost you know like these types of locations that uh we can get to know as fans and then know that they exist in different points in the timeline is really fun and makes it feel all connected yeah i like that little I, I, i'm catching up on star wars comics finally uh, i had a huge stack and it was daunting and i finally started poking through it and there's just a Real, not subtle, but also for the characters, a subtle reference to High Republic, uh, uh, to the uh, to the great emergencies, uh, the emergencies from the, the hyperspace. I think it launches the whole High Republic era. And I just was like, I felt so smart. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're talking about. But yeah, the, this lived in history just uh, keeps adding and it's yeah. doing it well. All right. Uh, from there, we're going to go to something uh, really fun here. Galaxy of Creatures launched on Star Wars Kids. Uh, the droid, droid host, F. Uh, SFR3 RE is uh, the name takes us through the Gal uh, the Galactic Society of Creature Enthusiasts research and all the creatures in the known galaxy. First two episodes are about porgs and banthas. Uh, so just no secret, we do love Star Wars uh, kids content, but what do we specifically enjoy about this one? Yeah, I think uh, it's great to just focus on the creatures. I like that the Star Wars uh, kids 
uh, different things that they do on YouTube continually shows that there's all these different entry points to Star Wars. Um, and like this is one, honestly, that I appreciate even more because of Jennifer Landa, knowing that Jennifer herself has always appreciated the creatures. And then imagining that like when this comes on and I have that personal connection to it of like Jennifer can show this to her kids and she'll uh-huh. this is like a perfect entry point. Uh, so I like that this is a different entry point uh, with the creatures. And then, you know, for myself, having relatively recently taken a, a trip to uh, Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Park and a lot of the stuff there is about getting to know the different wildlife and kids books. And uh, I bought a stuffed animal of a squirrel and a bat <laughs> and, you know, stamps, you know, to show that you've collected that mood of uh, this is in the High Republic era and we're going around and collecting knowledge and sharing it it's just it, it, it's got some rhythms with like some good real world stuff of of you know wanting to go places and learn things and that knowledge and understanding of the natural world is good yeah. i think that made me really drawn to the setup of this idea yeah that's a great yeah, absolutely great message to the youngsters right and to the oldsters <laughs> perhaps more to the oldsters perhaps more to the oldsters uh and they were fun and it, and and that's what i love about star wars kids it is nothing but fun it is nothing but love for this franchise uh love for this uh this galaxy of creatures and characters and ships and vehicles and storylines and lessons and 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 boiled down into to just fun presentations for for people of all ages for certain but i just love that we are in this era where star wars takes the time to make sure it has this kind of content out uh and i enjoy it and it's even if it doesn't all strike some deep emotional core to me, it's fun. And then this one, you know, it, 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 they presented a little different. Uh, the Porg one is just more of this little story, almost this funny little adventure. I, w- I was expecting more of just, this is a Porg. These are its feathers. And, yeah, and it was it was cute and endearing with some great facts at the end for both of them there, uh, including one. Uh, I didn't know, really ever pay attention to that Bantha's, uh, the length of their horn and their curl of their horn indicates how old they are. See? <laughs> I did. We learned a fun fact. Can't wait for that to come up in a trivia contest. Yeah, absolutely. Why? Why? You mentioned a lot of, I think, the the real world importance of paying attention to uh, creatures and the world around us there. But creatures in Star Wars absolutely go hand in hand. Jennifer Land is right to love <laughs> creatures in Star Wars. This is uh, this is a tradition in and of itself here. What do we think about creatures in Star Wars? I think just like from the very beginning with the first film in 77, I think that the creatures kind of, for me, follow fall into that great Star Wars charm of uh, being dreamlike because it has something that is both very familiar and shockingly new and different. So it's like it is like our world, but yeah. not really, <laughs> you know, so that you can look at different animals and, and go that. Well, that's it's an elephant thing, but not really like yeah. that, that. That's a dog frog but not that's a little monkey guy but not really you know like i think that's what it is is that it has that great like sense of familiarity all of the emotions that we have in real life to creatures can kind of uh translate uh, everything from fear to love can translate but it also just feels fun and weird and dreamlike because it's not quite the animals we know yeah and and from the beginning from the from from seeing the crat dragon uh uh skeleton on the right on the like you just immediately are just mesmerized by that world. And and I remember the Dubacks kind of um, fascinating me and frightening me early because I was a skittish kid. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Bantz as well, and I've told the story before, but when I was at the you know, Marine World Africa USA down there in San Diego, near the San Diego Zoo, and, and they were like, 
on on the tour like that's the elephant from star wars like i just it was like i met harrison ford <laughs> did you try to get a signature i mean i told all my friends at school that i met the elephant from star wars <laughs> crazy God, the elephant had some real hot takes about what we're filming was actually like. <laughs> so uh, there you go. Look for that series. I'm sure we'll get to all creatures. I was going to say what creatures do you want to want to uh, see? I'm definitely looking forward to the Wampa one. I do have a special place in my heart for Wampas, which is weird because, again, creature that scared me in Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I hope for some good Dianoga content. Oh, you know what I actually liked really on the uh, the announcement page uh, mm. that they are, you know, doing some stuffed animals as well. And the Minoc is beautifully freakish. Oh, I did. I, you know, I must have. <laughs> uh, I, I scrolled past that or something because that's 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 awesome. Yeah, because like it's great. Hey, it's another cute porg, yeah, cute bantha, cute rancor. Great. Uh, the attempt to make a minoc cute with its big sucking mouth <laughs> is just delightful. Uh, I like cute things that that uh, almost uh, defy the ability to be cute. So I might need to pick up that minoc. I was just watching the minoc sequence this morning, poking around looking at some uh, Yoda Luke stuff for research, and uh, uh, I it's still it's again I'm skittish. I'm skittish as an adult uh, when Leia's like kind of like leaning forward, like what's out there on that. Oh God! It, it's uh, it's really effective. So yes, I want one of those. I want one of those hanging around my house. All right. Uh, from Galaxy of Creatures, we're gonna go to some Star Wars speculation. We always say, you know, we love sticking away, sticking a, you know, uh, pulling away from spoiler talk or what's coming up in upcoming shows and rumors. But the Kenobi series has just proven that you and I, Joseph, have a little weak spot for Kenobi speculation. We just love talking. Oh yes. Oh, so, yes. Kenobi fever. Kenobi fever. So, uh, uh, Kumal, it, it's Kumal versus Kenobi. A great title for this segment. <laughs> uh, Kumal Nanjiani is the uh, great comedian, writer, and actor. He is in Kenobi, which I was going to start this off, this discussion off, Joseph, saying, hey, remember, he's in Kenobi. There's a, like a full functioning cast <laughs> we don't really even talk about yet. We just focus on good old Kenobi, you know? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, we had a great time breaking down that that cast uh, when it was first announced and just a ton of great people and heavy hitters and and things uh, uh, like uh, Kamal's casting, which on one hand, if you know him uh, like I do more from comedy, you know, you can be like, wow. But then like, yeah, no, he's that's today's is we're recording is the premiere of the Eternals. He's playing a superhero. So it makes perfect sense. So, yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah, very excited indeed. And he was speaking with. uh Rolling Stone, which I don't have the paid subscription, so thanks to our fine friends at Star Wars Newsnet, I was able to read kind of the summary of this stuff there. I used to get the Rolling Stone in the magazine there, all right, but I don't, I don't get it in, in the mail. The magazine. Um, uh, he said uh, a bunch of things here. He said a bunch of things here. I want to highlight some of them, Joseph. We'll just dive in, and feel free to just take this wherever you want to go, my friend. Um, he says, we haven't seen this exact thing in Star Wars yet. He was talking about kind of being recruited by Deborah Chow, and he basically was like, look, I'm on board whatever. Uh, she was trying to sell him on this character. He says, we haven't seen this exact thing in Star Wars before. This is like a new version of a type of Star Wars character we've seen before. So, familiar, again, new and, and, and old, all wrapped into one. It's Star Wars in the modern era. Um, I, you know, I've seen Droid. Um, the the Kitster stuff might be out the window <laughs> at this point, um, but I don't know. Could be Kitster the Scoundrel, and now we get a different version of there. What do you think about just that statement? Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think uh, kind of everything he says ties into uh, some of the wild uh, speculation. Um, uh, I think for me, uh, and go over a couple of other quotes, but just to get to the heart of the matter in terms of the wild speculation, uh, 
I still feel like a lot of the characters that we could meet are characters that Kenobi needs to facilitate his journey, right? Because mm-hmm. I think he's, I, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think uh, he's just, you know, Vader's coming to Tatooine and I don't, I don't think he's just popping up onto a Star Destroyer in, in Tatooine's atmosphere. I think, I think Kenobi is going on a journey uh, to confront <laughs> Vader is, is my uh, suspicion, hope, <laughs> uh, conjecture. So I'd like imagining if, uh, Kamal Nanjiani is saying that he interacts with Kenobi. He gets intimidated by Kenobi. It's an actually a larger part with a lot of interaction with Kenobi. Right. That makes me think that maybe he is one of the key characters that has to facilitate the journey. So I have two wild guesses, Ken. Okay. Uh, for a character that we're familiar with, but this is a new twist. Uh, either a lower level Imperial who agrees to help Kenobi navigate uh, toward Vader or a pilot scoundrel type who is not the cool swagger of Han and Lando, but a little bit more uh, comedic, grounded, uh, down to earth. Ooh, okay. Okay. Yeah, because I was going that scoundrel route, but I like that. Um, yeah, because, you know, you mentioned the Eternals. You know, he's he's done a lot of great acting, but I, I, no, I, I just, the Portlandia stuff of him always pops up to mind of being the birthday loan uh, accountant at the bank. Like <laughs> his style is so unique and, and how and I'm not expecting that beat for beat in Star Wars, but that's a strength and that could be something completely different. Uh, uh, but in something there, I, I, the Imperial things like, are you, are you thinking, are you thinking like an Imperial with a heart of gold? Is this a Bodhi Rook type uh, or uh, to a different, I like this train of thought too. I think the journey to to Bodhi uh, is, is a possibility for me. Um, if it, he's somebody who is sort of trapped in the imperial system and doesn't really know what it is, right? Right. Um, that kind of thing is interesting to me. Uh, part of it, part of that thought came from this other quote. Do you mind if I read it? Do it. Uh, Kamal says, the first thing we shot, it was Star Wars outside the windows with aliens walking around and ships flying by and all this stuff. But the rest of it just looked like a warehouse. Uh, then a little later, he says, the only thing that was real in the whole room was the desk I was sitting at. It was wild. It was really, really exciting. I love shooting like that because you don't have to pretend that you're on a spaceship flying through space. It really feels like you're uh, in a spaceship flying through space. Right. So part of it was for me was that image of at a desk, right? Mm. <laughs> mm. Uh, that he is somebody who is, you know, not uh, you know, commanding a, a Star Destroyer or a light interceptor or whatever, but like he's on a cargo ship. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, just just that real lower level. Uh, I'm just checking off boxes, you know. Just there for you know, a be either mind tricks him or or, you know, talks him into taking him along on the journey or whatever, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Or yeah. Bullies him into it. I don't know. Yeah. The, the being intimidated by Kenobi, which means either, you know, who Kenobi is or he's doing something to you, uh, <laughs> presenting something to you. That that's interesting too. Yeah. Helping and being, having a significant role is, uh, is, is great to hear. Uh, I think he's a, he's a unique presence in star Wars. So, yeah, I, I'm yeah. so bad at speculation, but I, I do like the, yeah, the, and again, I go to what I've seen before in a lot of comedy stuff with him, but just like if he's at a desk and he's being smushed by the drudgery of day-to-day imperial bureaucracy, that could be something fun, too, to play with. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think um, just for his uh, his on-screen experience, you know, obviously one of the, his big breaks, uh, he's had many breaks, uh, yeah. he's multi-talented, but the, the film he wrote uh, with his uh, wife, uh, The Big Sick, um, is a great a mixture of 
comedy and then true like uh, depth and, and pain because it's about you know learn becoming a partner with someone as they're going through this massive sickness and the, the weirdness of that based on his real life experiences with his wife. It, so kind of translating some of those acting chops and what that would mean in the story of Kenobi. Mm. Uh, and I wouldn't go to any of this conjecture if it wasn't that comment that it's actually a pretty large role. Uh, I wonder if that this character, whatever he is, could be on a practical level facilitating Kenobi's journey but someone who can add like comedy and levity because they're like a little in over their head uh, to balance out, you know, Kenobi maybe not being in emotionally the best place. <laughs> right, right. But then also someone who could bring some sort of uh, a pathos and sadness and truth about being trapped in the imperial system, either because they're like a real uh, struggling scoundrel type, not a cool flashy one like Han and Lando, but just somebody who is uh, comically struggling to get by but also very sadly struggling to get by because of the horrors of the empire or somebody who is low level empire doesn't, doesn't particularly like it, uh, but this is the government. This is reality. So a character who could both add some, some levity to what might be a, a heavier yeah. uh, show, but then also within that comedy, have it be truly coming from a place of a character that it could, could exemplify to Kenobi Here's how the just day-to-day citizens of the galaxy are suffering because of this horror. And, and I really think uh, Kamal Nanjiani has the chops to bring both. Yeah, I second that. Yeah, scoundreling because he has to might be. No, because he wants <laughs> Yeah. I like that idea. But yeah, yeah, that the and, and showing again what the Empire is doing and, and which might uh, spurn Kenobi to take uh, actions or something like that. A lot of ways to go with that there. But uh, we're going to find out soon enough. Yeah. Soon enough. Or all of this is wrong, and yeah, he's he's a droid, <laughs> and he's a wise cracking droid. Wait, we've have seen that. Maybe it's a depressed droid. Have we seen that? No, I uh, yeah, I don't. I, I've seen the droid stuff out there too. I I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think that's the case. But there's got to okay. be. You, there's got to be a droid in the show, though, right? Oh, I'm sure there'll be a couple. Yeah, that Kenobi treats bad. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. His uh, his last droid that he had in the Clone Wars, R four G nine, finds him. <laughs> That's what this whole show is. That's, that's the rematch of the, of the century. So <laughs> Vader's in it, but uh, Kenobi's actually fighting his old droid. That's, yeah, that's perfect. People will well, be very happy with that. Yeah. Like I said, we'll find out soon enough. We don't know quite when. We're speculating on that even. But hey, you know what? I've already made uh, some plans for 2022. So of all of you, we are almost there. The year of Star Wars 2022. And 2023 and beyond. A lot of Star Wars coming our way here. We're going to be covering it all here on Force Center. As always, when some Kenobi speculation presents itself, we'll dive on in here. That, uh, Joseph, is a look at Star Wars news. What do we have for an audiobook recommendation? We are recommending Ronin by Emma Miko Kandon, a book based on expanding the story of the duel in Star Wars Visions. Yes, we do download that uh, uh, today. You get your free audiobook on us by going to audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audiobook. We're going to take, uh, take a quick break. On the other side, we've got some wonderful questions from all of you here on Force Center. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to Force Center. Big show, the main show, the superstar story of our fleet. Episode 367 in an ongoing series that just speculates on Kenobi. Uh, we've uh, got uh, some wonderful questions. We can't do the cues without all of yous. So, Joseph, what do we got? Yeah, we got two questions from Twitter and two questions from patrons on Patreon. As always, I don't think any of the questions are directly about Kenobi, but we could make them about Kenobi if we need to, Ken. Uh, first question comes from uh, Twitter and Commander Cloud. Commander Cloud says, 
Imagine that you and your significant other suddenly found yourselves living in the Star Wars galaxy. What work would you do to provide? Would you stay in your professions or try something new? How would your partner hold up? <laughs> Where and when would you prefer to live? Thanks, guys. Uh, thank you, Commander Cloud, for the question. And I think, how would your partner hold up? Is just a, That's a fun question to ask just in real life uh, <laughs> of our partners uh, living with us as we constantly talk yeah. about Star Wars. Uh, luckily, they both like Star Wars, too. Anyway, Ken, uh, where do you go with this? If you and Grace were living in the Star Wars galaxy, when and what would you do? Yeah, that's uh, that's a great way to look at it. I think we would uh, be on Coruscant, uh, based just on the fun we had in New York and, and how much we both uh, love New York, but Grace specifically loves uh, the buzz of the city. So I think we'd be there. The air is different because I think there's part of me now uh, that would look at the High Republic, which is an interesting time to be there um, and, and not necessarily the best way based on out of the shadows like we just read. Um, and I'd rather be there and have a little time to enjoy it than the impending fall of the Republic. <laughs> um, and then after that, it seems like Coruscant is uh, not the shining star it once was there. Everything uh, kind of moves off to Chandrilla and beyond. So I think I'll say uh, late High Republic era. Mm. Um and I think she would want to be uh, still in her profession, uh, you know, a performer on the the Holo movies uh, and the Holo shows, uh, maybe do some singing and stuff too. Maybe uh, we were late enough in the High Republic where a young, uh, you know, Lulu Primak is there uh, singing alongside her. I think that could work too. Grace <laughs> could sing as well as an act. Um, uh, allegedly, according to the uh, Visual Dictionary, he also puts on an exosuit and acts, so he could do a dramatic Holo. There you go. Maybe they do a road picture. Uh, yeah, that'd be good. And as far as me, like, I've always joked before, like, you know, I'd be a uniform, uh, you know, kind of a make Jedi robes and sell them, a uniform kind of guy uh, near the temple in Coruscant, because I think it'd be a good growth business during that era. Uh, so I guess I could stay in that regard. Um, uh, you know, I guess I could do a low level, uh, you know, podcast show or something there, but really I, uh, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to ride her coattails, but I think she'd be so good at it surviving and thriving. I'd probably take a, a, a job, uh, at, at, you know, what is Dexter, what becomes Dexter's diner. Um, <laughs> my first job ever was a dishwasher in a care center. So I got some dishwashing diner experience. Um, I'll sit there and just kind of, uh, you know, float around the city, which is what I love to do when I'm in New York, just walk and, feel the vibe and uh you know take a speeder and go around as far as uh would, would my partner hold up she would she would exceed she would exceed. um uh yeah it, and and what if you discovered now uh i don't think we've heard about these in star wars canon we've heard a lot about hollow vids over the uh uh, all the different eras of Star Wars. Clearly, Star Wars just has a a thriving uh, television show. Uh, the hollow books we read about. Um, lots of uh, pop culture talking. I don't think we've heard about audio-only hollows, which I would think are <laughs> Star Wars podcasts. Would you want to uh, start, uh, introduce the galaxy far, far away to podcasts? I think I, think, uh, I would love to do that. And then later on, you know, Again, I, I'm putting in High Republic era, so I don't want to get too far away from that choice. But like, uh, whatever Lando ends up doing, the Lando Carisian Chronicles, like producing shows like that, where you know, let me let me inspire future creators to uh, come into my studio at a at an hourly cr Republic credit rate, <laughs> of course, and uh, record there. Yeah, I think that would work. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Yes, I, I you're very very right. Uh, uh, Lando's uh, 
Lando is he's recording a video though, right? It's, it's he's video. Yeah, it's a video. Everyone's pivoting to video. It's a, it's a huge mistake. <laughs> huge mistake. Facebook lied to yeah. Lando about video too, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we have some great similarities here in our answers. Uh, I would definitely want to go to Coruscant as well because uh, I'm just kind of used to being a, a big city person. Yeah. Um, I would go to Coruscant uh, post Exegol, post uh, uh, the Battle of Exegol the success of the resistance. Um, don't know in canon exactly the condition of Coruscant at that point. Uh, but I think I just, there's something about it. If, if I literally was some magic thing where I was transported into this world, uh, I don't want to be doomed uh, by, or cursed with future knowledge, right? Right. <laughs> there's just something about it. I don't want to be there like, oh, how many years until everything goes to bleep, you know? Right. Yeah. So uh, there's something about I like just like the future is wide open. Coruscant might not be in the best shape when we get there. We don't know. Uh, But the future is wide open. Um, My wife has so many different skills and talents and things that she's done as a job. Uh, But one of the big things that she's done is uh, is run uh, historic house museums, uh, Mm -hmm. historic houses uh, that have an element of history, an element of um uh, sort of tourism and then also performance held within that. Uh, great at, at doing all sorts of that management. So I would hope that after all of the events of the sequel trilogy, at this time, the Jedi Temple, once the you know Imperial Temple during the era, was a museum <laughs> to uh, educate and entertain, but mostly to educate about, here's the real history. Here's what <laughs> really went down. Let's listen to Luke. Let's not... The, these characters are, are legends or these... These people are legends and they're inspirations, uh, but they're also real people who had real challenges. Let's really, uh, you know, uh, in, embrace that. And then, uh, you know, she could hire me as a, an actor to dress up as Jedi and do little shows. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Little historical shows, which I've done in the past at museums as, as a yeah. job. I've been asked. I didn't just start doing it at museums. People hired me and paid me. <laughs> Sir, this is a museum. Uh, that's great. Then you'd, you'd have to grow the Jedi beard back, of course, right? I would. I would have no choice. Yeah. So I would do that as my like, that's my steady job. And then I think I, w- I would try to, you know, uh, maybe uh, write and produce some hollow vids. You know, I'd be l- lucky if I was able to cast uh, your partner, Grace, and, yes. and the hollow vids I would try to produce. But I'm sure it's a difficult industry to get into. I'm sure it's tough. I'm sure it's tough. And, but at the end, end of the day, you and I will just meet at the Outlander Club and watch some uh, Nuna Ball and uh, have a drink. <laughs> Uh, yep, coming Jedi. And it'll be great. And uh, and if we did a podcast, it would be about what's happening back on Earth. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes, Glad it. got some breaking Earth news. Yeah, uh, yeah. This it. is a great question, Commander Cloud. Thank you very much. Any other thoughts before we move on, Ken? No, no. That's that's. This is uh, there was even no hesitation when I saw this question come across. That's right where I'd be. So great. Yeah. Coruscant. There we go. Moving on to our next question from Twitter from Lebetard F. <laughs> Uh, uh, this person uh, asks uh, you get complete control to make a movie or series could be a saga or multiple seasons or just a one time deal it could be canon, legends, whatever what's the series about and who's your main character or group Uh, so we are going to answer this question but first a caveat uh we've been getting uh, a decent amount of questions like this lately about um pitches uh for shows that haven't happened yet um and it's kind of one thing to talk about like kenobi that is a show that has already happened and we're guessing what's going to happen but it's written <laughs> it's done so we don't mind really kind of giving pitches for for things like that for, for 
total pie in the sky future things, uh, we we can talk very generally, which we're going to do about this, but we kind of can't do full pitches um, in general. There, there's been some great Twitter threads about this uh, recently from writers. It, it's in, in general for everyone, not even working writers, it's not great to put out whole pitches out into the world uh, because it opens the doors to potential claims of, of stealing ideas, you know, and, and it happens a lot that nobody steals an idea, but people have uh, similar ideas and it opens the door of possibility of somebody down the line going, Hey, we both tweeted this idea or both said this idea on a podcast. And then mm-hmm. one day somebody went off and made it. And now there's this, this tension. Uh, so in general, it's, it's better to keep your, your pitches, uh, kind of enclosed doors uh, for big stuff like that. Um, And then I think both for you and I, Ken, uh, we are at different stages of actually pitching stuff. So for myself, I don't mind talking in generalities, but like detailed, (laughs) here's the exact character, beginning, middle and end, here's my full pitch. Uh, You know, I want to save that for the opportunity should it ever occur to actually pitch it. Yeah, no, no, no. Well said. And it's just kind of the reality and uh, especially if uh our chosen fields and, and the path you're specifically on there too. We, we, yeah, we, and I, this, you know, especially I used to compete in some of those weird um, shows where you fight about movies and I go into detailed pitches and some of them I liked, but then once they're out, they're out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah, there's that line between like we're joking and spitballing versus, Hey, here's a, an idea I actually really liked and given the opportunity, I would truly pitch it in that case. I think it is much better if anybody uh, who, who, writer or not anybody if it's an idea that you really like and really think someday i would really like to officially pitch this to the to the right people probably not a great idea to put it out into the world um awesome any any other follow-ups on that ken no well said okay great in that case then let's just talk in a big in a general way uh, to address this question about if you were gonna get into star wars is there a general uh character or era or thing that you would be attracted to having a hand in creating so so this question if you get complete control to make movie or series i've said a lot of things uh, infus nest ray sloan uh, chief chirpa the the story of <laughs> chirpa these are all things i i really mention a lot because i'd love to see them and I'm, i don't i'm not moving off of that but I, something about that first sentence you get complete control if i'm in that position, I'm like, let's finally do this. Let's go back to where we were, were rumored to go at one point. Maybe it was Benioff and Weiss were going to do it. I don't know. I don't know. Let's go back to the start of the Jedi Order. Let's go back to some of the early Sith and Jedi stuff because I want to see it, but also I just want to get it out there. <laughs> and I'm not saying I would even, I would hire, I would hire you and others, Joseph. I would just be like, if I had complete control, we're making this. So we're done talking about this. And I mean, in a positive <laughs> way, though. but I mean, in a positive way. But you would be there doing your impression of an old timey uh, producer going, you have go picture, right? You, you want to make this happen. You got go picture. Uh, let's go figure it out at the beginning. Let's say, uh, I'm not even saying old Republic. I, I've always been intrigued by the, the, the Start of the Jedi Order, you know, but the Force exists before that. And who are these folks that uh, come along and decide to to go Team Force, Team Light Side? Uh, what is it about? And 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 naturally, um, uh, someone out of that might fall, and 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 then then arise the Sith. So I'm interested in it. I'm very interested. I don't want to sound like I'm dismissing it. Like, oh, fine, I roll. Let's do it. <laughs> but I've just always kind of been that been that way because again, I didn't play nice of the Old Republic. I'm not connected to that game of those stories. I read one of the Bane novels from the, and I was like, it's great. It's good. Um, 
it and and then the new era of modern canon started. And I just got pulled off those books. So I want those answers too. I'm fascinated by them because the history exists. That's why I do love the High Republic. But you know, we're only 200 years prior, and it's a different era, and they're 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 accomplishing something very different. So if I got the complete control, that's what I'm greenlighting. Uh, I like that. Uh, the you're a great producer. Uh, I want to work with you. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I agree with that. Of uh, I, I would definitely love to see something that is truly in the era of many, many Jedi and many Sith, uh, a war, a conflict. I think that would be great. The other thing that uh, I, I've really brainstorm on and, and feel really passionate about are ideas about just a handful of Jedi on a mission. Mm. Um, that's something that I think we have seen in books and comics. And something I'd really love to see on screen, um, something that is uh, something that's really about who who the Jedi are and the individual Jedi's as individual uh, Jedi as individuals and their challenges um, and not tied to some huge stake, uh, but something that's, hey, you've been sent to solve a problem and it's really causing you to face these issues. I feel like the High Republic is is doing a great job of this. I feel like um the uh, film in Star Wars Visions, The Elder, that was really just like, hey, here's a, a master and a Padawan, and they are we're learning about them as they face a specific challenge. Uh, if I had the opportunity to pitch something, uh, I would pitch something like that with brand new Jedi characters. Love it. Just facing an issue and really focusing, much like the High Republic is doing, but, but for the screen, on... Uh, Jedi being faced to uh, forced to face themselves as they deal with a challenge. Love it. Love it. Or we could just both pitch um, the dawn of the caretakers. And it's the story of Lene on Octel. <laughs> exactly. Uh, big full pitch. Malakili and Ralakili's uh, childhood uh, <laughs> with their third twin, Dalakili. <laughs> and they run into Bib and Beezer Fortuna. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just Star Wars family buddies. <laughs> <laughs> very, very fun question. Uh, thank you very much. We're going to move on to our questions from our patrons on Patreon. Uh, we've got one from our friend Alden Diaz. Alden says, hey, friends. I was wondering if you could provide a bit of Star Wars counseling and debate analysis for me and a friend of mine. Let me sit at your bar for a round and tell you all about this disagreement. I was expressing to a friend why Finn's force sensitivity in The Rise of Skywalker really enhances several moments for me in the previous two films in the sequel trilogy. I found a lot of soulful mythic implications with that knowledge adding context. On the other hand... My friend expressed that they really didn't like the Force sensitivity reveal because they felt it took away the agency of Finn's choice on Jakku. They said it wasn't as much about him refusing to fire on villagers, but the Force pushing him in the right direction. To them, it makes him more of a passenger for the cosmic narrative and not the eyes-in young character making the choice. We went back and forth a bit and ultimately came down to me saying that I think this all just depends on how you feel about the Force, free will, and predestination. I cited Luke in Empire by saying Luke's visions that make him want to leave immediately to help Han and Leia don't change the fact that he's the kind of young man that would help his friends. He's still that guy even if he got the mystical signal. Uh, where do you stand on all of this push and pull? Is there a middle ground that I could express should it come up again for Finn or any other character? drinks writes alden uh i will drink too sadly just coffee because we're recording in the morning but uh this is a great imaginary bar to be at ken yeah. uh where do you go with all this wow um 
Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I love these discussions. And, and Alden, I can already tell you're, you're a better human than me. Cause sometimes I've gotten these deep discussions and I smile and laugh and I walk away and I, I mute them on Twitter. And I'm saying I'm the bad guy in that sense. <laughs> um, no, this is a, but this is a great discussion. And, and I think, Joseph, I think we both would kind of want to start this idea of um, acknowledging that, you know, Star Wars has a history of what I call kind of layering new information over old information. And Ooh, yeah, that's a very good way to say that. Yeah, sometimes it works like a piece of uh, like I love uh, Japanese woodblock print art and, and just the making of it. If you ever watch like a video, you can watch them on YouTube. It's beyond impressive. It's it's mind boggling. Just every layer and how, you know, if you stopped at each layer, it's like, oh, a picture of a sunset. Oh, no, it's a picture of birds. Ocean. Oh, no, it's it's a uh, it's it's two samurai fighting. Oh, my gosh, this is an entire scene. Right. And it's just and it, it's it's art and it takes time to make and i love it um i have no patience to do that kind of art i would have mesmerized by people watching and then other times it just feels like this paint is splattered against a wall and <laughs> and, and i think you and i want to acknowledge that not liking the end result is perfectly fine yeah oh absolutely absolutely yeah so man i don't know how you want to uh, dive into this joseph uh i guess we can go beat by beat i don't know what do you feel I, yeah, I, I, I've yeah. Well, let's let's start with a kind of big picture, and then get specifically into the the Finn moment and comparisons there. I think that this is a great discussion to have. I think that Star Wars invites this discussion. I think this is about our like uh, like Alden said about our personal uh, interpretation of mm -hmm. what Star Wars has to say at different moments or overall. Yeah. about free will and agency. I think it also goes to uh, which characters do you trust? Which characters do you believe? Because Star Wars does have a lot to say about the Force guiding us. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, Obi-Wan saying, you know, it guides us, but it also obeys our commands. And that's a real sort of practical application of, like, the skills, right? <laughs> yeah. Of you can just let the Force take over and and you, you find yourself moving your lightsaber to block it, or you can reach out and command... Uh, the the blaster fire to move away right um but there's so many discussions of you know qui-gon saying you know nothing happens uh, by accident um uh, everything is the will of the cosmic force uh, justina ireland's uh, test of courage it's a real point where uh the all of these young people who who just lost elders uh parents and mentors are wondering why something that awful could ever happen and how, how do they square that um uh, with the the will of the force, you know? Mm. Uh, so I think that this is a great thing to wrestle with. It, I think it, it should be wrestled with. And I also think it's okay if there isn't, <laughs> you know, an answer. I don't think Wikipedia is ever going to have the answer of like, here's the entry on, or Wikipedia is ever going to have the answer of, here's the, the entry on will of the force and here's the truth. Yeah. This is huge philosophical debates that the characters have. Um, so I just want to start from that perspective that I think this is a great thing to think about and a great thing to debate about and a great thing to not necessarily have a 100% firm opinion on in the big picture because it is so big and so prevalent throughout Star Wars. What are your thoughts about just the big picture of, you know, these questions of uh, free will and destiny and agency in Star Wars? Yeah, I, I think sometimes we might as well call this podcast Choice Center. Because we love exploring uh, the, the choices and we don't want to beat that drum until no one hears that pounding anymore. But I still believe it was Finn's choice because of that and, and where you kind of look at the, the the force. And I think Alden's correct to say, hey, that might just be at the end of the day, your view and your interpretation of the force might be where you where you land on this discussion. 
And I think you're right to point out, Joseph, that it, it's wonderful to have these discussions. It's part of what Star Wars is and part of what being Star Wars friends are. So I, I go, and I think I've mentioned this before, I, I oddly, uh, oddly, it's it's the force, so it's spiritual, but I go a little biblical here. Of uh, There's uh, Luke 19.40 in the Bible of Jesus says, if they remain silent, the stones will cry out. And I think the force living or cosmic wasn't pushing Finn to me. I think force was uh, kind of saying, hey, what do you feel about this? Mm. Uh what do you look at what's going on here? Cause there's a lot going on and Finn runs away. We know a lot of his journey is running away. It's not necessarily picking up and joining the, the, the resistance at that moment. He does that maybe a little bit later on, not unlike Han at many points, but I, so I, I still go to that where, where Finn to me could have stayed at it. I know maybe I'm, I'm focusing here on Finn already, Joseph. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. For the big picture, but he could have stayed lockstep with uh, the first order in that moment. And I think the force would have, tr- would have tried again with him. Uh, think Vader, Return of the Jedi to me. Uh, hey, Anakin, you in there? You in there, Anakin? <laughs> it's another choice. Or, or the Force would have maybe continued to find others too that, that, that when presented with this choice, what are you going to do with it? And, and that to me connects with this idea of it's a feeling. And then that breaks down to the micro level we've just discussed a lot lately of the light side, the dark side, fear versus hope, these big concepts that run through everything. It isn't all about cloaks and space wizards and laser swords. It's... You know, are you going to fudge that report? Because if you are, Palpatine might be interested in you. Uh, if, if you're able to lie on that small level uh, and, and choose the dark side in that moment, or, you know, are you going to look at these villagers and think this ain't right? Then, you know, Kylo's got some problems with you and maybe the light side has some interest in you. You know, the, not that they're drafting a fantasy team here. Um, so, and also, I, like, I, jumping around a bit, I, I don't think Finn's choice is now any lesser than Ray letting the force into her to guide her in that first fight with Kylo Ren. Right. Like yeah. there's a point of choice too, where she was holding her own. She might've been losing that moment. Kylo has an advantage and that's when the words of Maz kind of come in and the force guides her. It's that's a choice. Maybe it's not a one-to-one comparison. Um, but I think that's some of how the force works for me. I believe the force kind of both chooses people with great importance while also surrounds all of us. Voluminous being speech, right? And yeah. so therefore we all might have access to it in some way, which is a little bit what uh, George has said before. What was that story of uh, it's like basketball. We all could play it. Some just have more natural skills to play it better, <laughs> but you can get on that court and you can choose to kind of learn as much as you can to dribble that ball. But it, it's there for you. Um, some are just naturally better at it. It's kind of, uh, I remember that conversation about how we view the force. So that's, that's kind of my overall stuff that I have a little bit more, but I want to kick it back to you. Yeah. Well, that is very uh, deep, very great stuff, but, I have to be honest, all I can picture now is Sheev just crushing people at basketball. <laughs> all by himself. Just, you know, it's it's it's, it's Sheev against like 80 rebels and he just dominates at basketball. He's dribbling between his legs with the cloak on, with the big robe on, just like, come on, do it. Take the ball. One on one. Yeah, he dribbles into his cloak and the, the ball just disappears yeah. <laughs> and reappears above the hoop somehow. Like, how do you even do that? It's so unnatural. He's dunking, but he's not even leaving the ground. <laughs> anyway, a brief break in our very serious conversation uh, to talk about uh, Sheev Ball. Yeah, um, yeah no, I, I really agree with you. I think it's for myself, and and I don't need anyone to agree with me because I think these are like really, like I said, the very big ideas, and I think they attach very much to to real life spiritual beliefs. So I think this is a conversation for me to always be very uh, generous and delicate about. You know, it, this isn't. Um, what is, you know, Padme's blaster in Phantom Menace. It's, there's not a right or wrong. You know, there's, there's, it, there's lots of room for debate. Um, 
So uh, for me, you and I have talked about it a lot on the podcast, but the way a lot of this makes sense to me is that this idea that the force might push you toward a decision that you are going to need to make, but it is still your decision. So the force might be involved and destiny might be involved. And I think sometimes that destiny can break down in terms of real life terms to, you know, uh, an issue with your parents, you know, that you're specifically, you're going to have to address this issue between you and your parents, you know, that's because that's a part of your life, you know, um, or if you have a specific talent, you know, it's going to come up an opportunity for you to use it or not, you know, and you're going to choose whether to use it. Uh, Very specifically about this, about whether in that sort of moment, if the force is, is responsible or if Finn is responsible. The way I think about that particular moment is, for me, Star Wars has just such a long history of encouraging you to listen to your instincts and your intuition. Um, I've, I've talked about how much the uh, lessons of the force helped me in various artistic pursuits from drumming to improv to, to shut off the really critical brain and just listen to instinct in, in intuition. And uh, I have already learned all these skills and it turns out uh, I have the knowledge, you know, inside me kind of thing. In that way, for me, the force is often a metaphor for instinct. Um, so when I think about that moment for Finn, I kind of think about like that. Like that moment, uh, the force is like this gut feeling saying, this is wrong. So what are you going to choose to do? Yeah. And the choice for me is like that instinct that just goes wrong, wrong, wrong. You know, somehow, somewhere in your bones, this is wrong. And maybe because of your connection to the force, you felt that stronger. And that's what, you know, is special in that moment for Finn. Uh, but we know it also happened to Jana in all of Company 77 that they all decided not to fire on civilians um, at the Battle of Anset Island. Uh, it, so for me, it, it ultimately, I think I do agree with Alden's take, it doesn't take away from Finn because it's not like it's just something washed over him and he shook his head and said what happened. Right. I think to me, it's this deep instinct of this is wrong are you going to have the strength to disobey your training, you know, to take this risk in that moment and listen to that instinct? Uh, I think so much of Star Wars is always about choice. Um, and, you know, you can go down the list and you, you, you can make a long, <laughs> a long list, a long essay of examples of choice. Characters say a lot of things about the will of the force, it's destiny, uh, all this stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, in moments, crucial moments in films, characters make choices. And I think this is a moment where Finn is making the choice to listen to that instinct. How much of that? Yeah, right with you. Well said on that. And and we, we talk about his kind of connection to Leia. He has that line in Rise of Skywalker that's just kind of like, you know, I, you know, Leia and I get it. Poe, you don't get it. I'm paraphrasing there, but. Uh, I think of Leia in Empire, right? Um, um, who is kind of sitting there in a dream state, but but kind of got has this thought of we've got to go back. She doesn't. She's not tapped into the Force. She's not there. She chooses to say those words. She chooses to to in a, in a way stand up for for Luke in that moment and save Luke. I think I I, I connected a little bit there. Again, is it one to one? I don't know. Not necessarily, but. I, I see force uh, Finn's relationship with the force being more on that side of it, right? Versus here's a manual. You've been plucked <laughs> uh, to join this academy. Um, uh, Ray clearly has, whether she's, you know, the Ray from nowhere stuff and all this, she's still 
chosen for some great stuff if she so chooses. And, and just like Anigan, just like Luke, some people got that. They're they're great with a three pointer, right? Um, and and Finn might have to his skills are elsewhere. And I think so. I, I look at that. I think his connection to Force is is represents a lot of what Yoda was talking about on Dagobah. A lot about it binds all of us. It's there. Um, and it may be even a little bit the Qui-Gon stuff too. So I don't know. Do, do you think it connects at all to that Leia moment? Yeah, no, I think that's another great moment of, you know, yeah, it's almost like a separate thing to wrestle with that. I know sometimes people, you know, feel like, well, hey, if, if the characters who are attached to the force, they have this sort of bonus to succeed, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and that's a whole debate in a philosophy. Um, but yeah, absolutely. You know, Leia and, and Finn are both connected to the Force. I think they're shown to be connected to the Force in a very similar way, which is this very flowing, intuitive way. And yeah, it, that that moment is Luke is calling out to her. Their connection the, through the the mystical Force, uh, the living Force, uh, allows Leia to hear that call. She chooses to answer it. You know, and against all all these moments have uh, of choice aren't just like you know. Uh, something's telling me to turn left. I'll, I'll I'll just turn left. There's always someone or something going. Of course, you should turn right. You know, <laughs> literally, literally, Lando saying, "The hell are you talking about?" No, yeah. you know. Um, it, with Finn, it's that's an incredibly dangerous thing that he immediately pays for, and he has to run from yeah. <laughs> uh, from the first order because of that choice, right? Um, uh, there's always a, a pushback of you could take the. Uh, more expected path, the more rigid path. You could take the path that's dominated by fear and control, or you could choose to listen to this this instinct. You know, and, and for non-force users, I just feel it's so embedded in Star Wars. I think it's so important that Han's story in A New Hope, right, and Leia even highlighting it when Luke says, "I just, you know, it's just Han," and and Leia says, "Like he has to follow his own path. No one can choose it for him." And he listens to his instinct, yeah. his gut, his truth the facts <laughs> yeah. that, you know, he knows what they're up against and he makes that choice. And, and Luke, the special kid <laughs> yeah. is maybe the only one who could make that shot, but he would never make it if Han hadn't made that choice. And that's for me where, where it just feels like to me, like the overall perspective of star Wars is agency matters. Choice matters over everything. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I think, yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and, and again, that's what I say the force will, will, find a, a, a way, I guess, and, and still give many different people choices if they need to, I guess. But that's my interpretation of it there. You mentioned the Han thing too, and I want to talk about this as well, is is um, for me, and, and, and this almost to address anyone who might have issues with this or any other part of Star Wars. And again, Rise of Skywalker shows up and is like, hey, we got some inf- information for you that's new all through the movie. And another one, the, the Palpatine part was in debate again this week on, on uh, Twitter. I saw for a second of, of a lot of people poking fun at the, at the somehow Palpatine came back line, which I agree is not my, it's not my favorite line in Star Wars either. Uh, you and I have discussed it, uh, how it opened, opened up the debate real easily. It is what it is. But Rise Skywalker shows up and goes, hey, here's some new information to layer over. And, and, and Pablo Dago tweeted out recently a lot of stuff. Uh, I don't follow him because uh, this time around, because I, I, I want to you know, stop myself from the heartbreak when he deletes everyone again. But uh, <laughs> he, he, he said something about Terrio did his homework. He did his homework. And so when you layer, layer a lot over it, I think it connects in some beautiful ways. But all that to say, if you're still at the end of the day, not happy with some of the Palpatine stuff, not happy with some of the raid stuff, it's very personal. And we're not here to take that away from you. We're not here to say you're wrong. Uh, the name of the blaster is, <laughs> yeah. you know, like you said earlier, Joseph, 
But parts of the journey of Finn or any character to me can still mean what it meant to you then in that moment while the story can continue to grow. You mentioned the Han moment. I'm a big Han guy. Based a lot of my life on Han. (laughs) Han saving Luke and a new hope. But then immediately running away at Empire doesn't change episode four for me, right? Yeah. When we meet him again, he's like, I'm out of here. I got to go. And, and, and that doesn't to me, and it's not necessarily a force related question, but it doesn't, you know, the, 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 the fist pumping inspiration I picked up from episode four from Han doesn't quickly vanish because the story continues. And I think if you were moved by Finn's choice in episode seven, I think you can still be moved by that choice and live in that moment and enjoy that moment. And some of the stuff with Ray, other, other properties where bad things happen to characters or characters make choices later on that maybe, um, upset you because you love the character. I, I don't want it to, it's sometimes going to be impossible not to feel that way, but if, if a character in season three inspired you but uh, hurt you later on, I, that inspiration in season three is still there for you to engage with. And I, I think some of the stuff with Finn, it's similar to Han and Leia. Han and Leia is the love story of my generation. And 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 then they're separated when I see them again. <laughs> and and I, I got more out of that because the story continues to grow and you as a fan will continue to grow. I, 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 I think you'll, you'll get more out of Finn's journey later on where there's a little bit of, like, I, I had this instinct, had this feeling, I made a choice and then spent a lot of time running away or not fully understanding the choice until later. And mm-hmm. I did that. And you'll look back in your life and go, why did I do that? And look where I, I always say, you know, what Star Wars is about the hope of tomorrow being present today. You're already on your journey. That's one of the ways I look at Star Wars. And so Finn can now look back and go, I didn't quite understand it. But I know my journey was already beginning. Where I am now started then. And I still think you can take a lot out of those moments. I I totally agree. And I I think for me, that's what's one of the many things that's powerful about the sequel trilogy is that Finn and Ray in particular are these people who are empathetic. That appears to be their nature. And in Force Awakens, they both have moments where uh, the the gut instinct, uh, be it uh, a nudge from the force or their upbringing or their DNA or whatever you choose to believe or interpret where that nudge came from, Mm. they make choices of empathy. You know, Uh, Finn won't fire. Uh, Ray helps BB-8. Ray could sell BB-8 for those 60 portions that she is starving for. But she has empathy for another lost soul waiting for their people to return, the same as her. They both have those moments of empathy that kick them into the adventure, but then they resist the call. Then they go, okay, we'll we'll help. We helped in that moment, but then we got to get back to our own thing and stay in the boxes that we think we're supposed to be in. Right. Mm-hmm. And and the, the story of the sequel trilogy is them, you know, accepting the call and saying, oh, just like you just said, Ken, that moment of empathy, that's the that's the arrow pointing me to who I want to be, what active choices I want to make. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it is really for me the beginning point of both of them realizing those early choices of empathy I made on this journey. That's who I want to be. And that's what I'm going to fight for. And, you know, they're they're committed in Rise of Skywalker and, and trying to hold on. Yeah, I, lo- I love that uh, you mentioned the Ray and the BB-8 stuff and the portions. is that That's that's a great instinct moment, right? Uh, and, and what you're saying, there's always someone to go choose right, choose door number two, <laughs> 60 portions, food. But even beyond that, the, the fixing of the antenna, but, but just hearing the calls of BB-8 and not leaving the, this wailing droid to Tito is, uh, is a great point of choice for her that's just instinct because it's it, it's 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 in her but i could argue that it's also the force going this is probably a, a droid you need to talk to 
Um, but it's to me, it goes what you just talked about. The, at the core of the light side are things like compassion, empathy, and, uh, and, and going towards the light because it's there. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and that ties directly to, you know, Luke saying that Leia and, and himself, uh, believed in her and didn't worry about the Palpatine thing because they saw her spirit, her heart, you know, um, in that implication there for me that, that, that there's a real connection similarly between, uh, Finn and Leia in, in that regard. Um, yeah. yeah, So I I think for me, it's powerful as a metaphor and analogy, uh, because the, the, the force can kind of be a metaphor for lots of different things, um, the force doesn't need to be just seen as an external force to, you know, cause it, it's a part of us, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, so even if it is the force, uh, speaking to Finn, the, that he is a part of that, you know, it, it is the, the entire, you know, yeah. connected, uh, reality of existence. Uh, he's a part of that. It's not necessarily just an external thing. And, and for me, that also can be a metaphor for real life, um, where, you're about to do something and you kind of know you shouldn't. Is that because of previous life experience? Is that kind of wisdom from elders? Is that some deep instinct where uh, of, of empathy? Um, that's where it really gets into faith <laughs> to yeah, me yeah. of yeah. and different modes of belief and spirituality of where some of those voices come from. But I think we've all, we all know that we we've had moments like Finn where like, I know everything around me, all of the structures around me are telling me this is what I am supposed to do, but I have this instinct that it's wrong and it's Mm -hmm. hurtful. Mm -hmm. And then you choose whether you listen or not. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's that little voice inside. Yeah. Final thing for me is I I think in some ways, I also think about that Finn moment uh, is being a smaller, more subtle moment in the force awakens uh, but it's very much like Luke's moment in uh, A New Hope when he has the choice between a targeting computer and an old ghost <laughs> <laughs> whispering in his ear to trust his gut, right? That's just like, for me, the most pure, like it's, it's instinct, you know, it's, yeah. do you trust the, the, the rigid computer that has already shown that it, it actually can't make that shot? Uh, or do you trust this sort of the, this flowing organic intuitive connected to to both yourself and something larger to yourself than yourself do you trust that and luke chooses you know to trust that the same way i think finn chooses to trust this little voice that says don't shoot he switched it off his targeting computer he did <laughs> yes yeah there you go. uh any other thoughts ken no look into the uh debate raging between alden and his friend uh, i i think joseph said it well up top of like there doesn't necessarily have to be clear answer um, Star Wars is there for you to constantly ask why and analyze why and, and not everything is going to always sync up and work, but what a wonderful big large galaxy. And, and I think this is also part of what uh, the, the original intention of the series was to present these big moral questions, uh, present them in front of you and see how you engage with it and see what you take from it. And that's the beauty of Star Wars. Absolutely. Final thought for me is, yes, I absolutely, I tend to agree a a little bit more with Alden's perspective, but these are absolutely perspectives, and I think anybody should should and can engage with the story the way they want to. I also just think from life experience, Ken, uh, it is a gift and a burden to perceive the stories with time in between them to form opinions based on what you thought the story was and then finding out what the story is, right? Mm. Um, young people who sit down and, and watch the original trilogy, you know, aren't as uh, frustrated with uh, the revelation that Luke and Leia are, are siblings as people were back in the day because they had years to think about it. <laughs> yeah. 
So that's always just for me a matter of perspective, too, of some of these debates that we're having about the sequel trilogy will always exist. And some of them are really strong because we had time to speculate in between the movies. And I guarantee there is some kid sitting down right now watching the sequel trilogy on, uh, you know, a tablet and we'll have very different concerns because the story's just, it's just the story. It just is. And it's playing out in front of them. Yeah. 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 Don't forget, I spent a long time thinking Yoda was the one who trained, trained Obi-Wan. Completely, all by himself. <laughs> yep. Nope. Like some other guy popped up. Yeah, I mean, he Yoda. Obi Wan just had Yoda in pre K practically. You know, yeah. come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe not a perfect analogy. Anyway, we move on to our final question from Dan Lynn. Dan says, having really liked the first season of The Bad Batch and enjoyed listening to your Bad Batch reports, I know Joseph was on Hondo Watch as the weeks went on. I found myself on Commander Cody Watch. Uh, do you think the second season will tell us what became of Cody in the Imperial era, seeing as we haven't had any answer in canon yet? How do you feel about this, Ken? Are you on Cody Watch now? Uh, yeah, I am. You know, to, to go in terms of music where we started the show, you got the big bands, the legendary bands, you got your Rolling Stones, you got the Beatles. I'm also a big fan of the Guess Who, who I think had amazing amounts of hits, and uh, they overlooked. People aren't going to go see uh, Guess Who concerts, and that's for different reasons, maybe. But uh, <laughs> I like the underrated Heroes of the Galaxy, and I think Rex gets his due with good reason. I love Rex. But Commander Cody, man, speaking of music, uh, it's, uh, that's a deep cut music reference. I uh I yeah I, I want to see some Cody justice for Cody. Absolutely, yeah. Before the Clone Wars came along, uh, Clone Wars animated series, uh, Cody was the the sort of uh, personality of the clones, right? The yeah. human face of uh, somebody who had a, a partnership and a, a bond with Kenobi. So yeah, this is such a great question. I I'm really loving that Bad Batch is letting us see through different characters' eyes the impacts of uh, this sudden switch between the Republic to the Empire. Uh, I think Cody is a big missing piece of clone cannon, and I would think that Rex would have some thoughts and opinions. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe want to find him. And I think there's a possibility of, of having an interesting story of Cody, of he was close to Kenobi, you know? Mm -hmm. is, he, is this something that makes him you know, kind of fight back against his programming a little bit, like we've seen some of the clones do, of like, ultimately, it seems like the chip wins until it's taken out, but there is, can, can be a little pushback. Um, or is he sort of uh, all in on the chip? And like, is he obsessed with finding Obi-Wan? Is he partnered with some Inquisitors? So, you know, you could take that story different places. Uh, and, th and that story, if they're doing it, is already written. So, good. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was uh, thinking about it. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, you were my clone, Cody. <laughs> you are my brother as well not as close <laughs> you are my clone uh, commander i did not train you since you were very young but yeah. uh but yes we had a relationship i knew we'd work kenobi into it ken yes uh yeah so uh, final thing for me on this is yeah right there with dan uh, i'm gonna be on cody watch i'm on honda watch i have so many watches because now i also really want to see the bad batch interact with some jedi and, and get on on that screen the sort of perspective of some jedi in that early era of being hunted um mm -hmm. so i i continue also to be on opo rancis's watch as you should yeah so many watches <laughs> any other thoughts on this one ken no just uh i love that dan loves the bad batch i i, I continue to uh, ruminate on how much i enjoyed that show so glad to have bad batch fans around 
Yeah, looking forward uh, to the next season. Thank you for all our questions. Dan, Alden, Libertad, and Commander Cloud. Ken, where can people find us? Hey, we're the Force Center Podcast. We're on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're available on a lot of platforms. Just search to find us. But some include iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, and Spotify as well. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Get that speculative responsibly t-shirt as more news <laughs> comes out uh, you can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center uh, from there you can access our discord uh, where you can have these kind of conversations uh, a virtual star wars bar uh, every day if you want i just put up the character of the week today was uh, ben quadranero so Ooh. go celebrate the pod racer there you can uh, follow me at ken napsock or go to my website ken where on that website you can now listen directly to my radio show pop rock and radio on mixcloud uh if you want to there it's kind of easier for some folks to catch it there and get information on upcoming shows i got four dates coming in december uh, comedy dates with Mark Ellis in Washington, D.C., and a local one here at Flappers coming up if you're local to SoCal. But all information's on my website. We always like to highlight things in the real world that we want to uh, put before you to, to maybe uh, choose to get involved. Uh, for me right now, it is uh, uh, Be The Match at BeTheMatch.org. This is uh, uh, Bone Marrow Donorship. I am a uh, registered uh, Bone Marrow Donor there. Uh, a lot of people need uh, these uh, life-saving treatments, and the registration can happen online. It can only take 10 minutes. It's really easy to get signed up, and you could save a life if you do so. Get more information at bethematch.org. Joseph. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshot, and you can check out all of my other comedy adventures on my website, josephscrimshot.com. And the thing I'd like to plug is the service uh, ResistBot. You can just Google it. Uh, they're on social media, but it's just a very easy way uh, to text, tweet, uh, or send a message via tweet, not just tweet at, but uh, send a message to uh, your representatives at any level uh, about things that you think are important. I think it really makes a difference to let our representatives know what we want to happen, what is a priority for us. So I think ResistBot is a great service to make that so fast and so easy and direct. Absolutely it is. Well, that is it for this week. We've had a lot of fun diving into the news, speculating, learning about Banthas, and talking about the choices that the Force puts before us. A lot there. Thank you all for listening. This has been Force Center. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.